Today is the 20th day of May. Welcome to the Daily Audio Bible. I am Brian, and it is a pleasure to be here with you today uh, on this 20th day of, of the month of May. I guess that gives us 11 days left in this month, so we're well through the middle. And boy, we will finish this month and head into our sixth month of the year already. It's crazy how quickly things go. What a busy year it's been, though, at least for me. I am learning to maintain. And I am learning that it requires maintenance to maintain. And I am learning that uh, uh, in order to have time to do maintenance and maintain, uh, maybe there's some things that, uh, that, that have to diminish or maybe even fall away. But one thing remains true, and that is the rhythm of the scriptures speaking life and light and good news into our lives every single day. And so uh, we'll take the next step forward. We're kind of rounding the bend here uh, on our time in 1 Samuel. We'll conclude 1 Samuel in, in tomorrow's readings. So we're reading from the Christian Standard Bible this week and today, 1 Samuel 26, 27, and 28. Then the Ziphites came to Saul at Gibeah, saying, David is hiding on the hill of Hakalah, opposite Jeshimon. So Saul, accompanied by 3,000 of the fit young men of Israel, went immediately to the wilderness of Ziph to search for David there. Saul camped beside the road at the hill of Hakalah, opposite Jeshimon. David was living in the wilderness and discovered Saul had come there after him. So David sent out spies and knew for certain that Saul had come. Immediately, David went to the place where Saul had camped. He saw the place where Saul and Abner, son of Ner, the commander of his army, were lying down. Saul was lying inside the inner circle of the camp with the troops camped around him. Then David asked Ahimelech, the Hittite, and Joab's brother, Abishai, son of Zariah, who will go with me into the camp to Saul? I'll go with you, answered Abishai. That night, David and Abishai came to the troops, and Saul was lying there asleep in the inner circle of the camp, with his spear stuck in the ground by his head. Abner and the troops were lying around him. Then Abishai said to David, Today God has delivered your enemy to you. Let me thrust the spear through him into the ground just once. I won't have to strike him twice. But David said to Abishai, Don't destroy him, for who can lift a hand against the Lord's anointed and be innocent? David added, As the Lord lives, the Lord will certainly strike him down. Either his day will come and he will die, or he will go into battle and perish. However, because of the Lord, I will never lift my hand against the Lord's anointed. Instead, take the spear and the water jug by his head and let's go. So David took the spear and the water jug by Saul's head, and they went their way. No one saw them, 
no one knew, and no one woke up. They all remained asleep because a deep sleep from the Lord came over them. David crossed to the other side and stood on top of the mountain at a distance. There was a considerable space between them. Then David shouted to the troops and to Abner, son of Ner, Aren't you going to answer, Abner? Who are you who calls to the king? Abner asked. David called to Abner, You're a man, aren't you? Who in Israel is your equal? So why didn't you protect your lord the king when one of the people came to destroy him? What you have done is not good. As the Lord lives, all of you deserve to die, since you didn't protect your Lord, the Lord's anointed. Now look around. Where are the king's spear and water jug that were by his head? Saul recognized David's voice and asked, Is that your voice, my son, David? It is my voice, my lord and king. David said. Then he continued, Why is my Lord pursuing his servant? What have I done? What crime have I committed? Now may my Lord the King please hear the words of his servant. If it is the Lord who has incited you against me, then may he accept an offering. But if it is people... May they be cursed in the presence of the Lord. For today they have banished me from sharing in the inheritance of the Lord, saying, Go and worship other gods. So don't let my blood fall to the ground far from the Lord's presence. For the king of Israel has come out to search for a single flea, like one who pursues a partridge in the mountains. Saul responded, I have sinned. Come back, my son, David. I will never harm you again, because today you considered my life precious. I have been a fool. I have committed a grave error. David answered, Here is the king's spear. Have one of your young men come over and get it. The Lord will repay every man for his righteousness and his loyalty. I wasn't willing to lift my hand against the Lord's anointed, even though the Lord handed you over to me today. Just as I considered your life valuable today, so may the Lord consider my life valuable and rescue me from all trouble. Saul said to him, You are blessed, my son David. You will certainly do great things and will also prevail. Then David went on his way and Saul returned home. David said to himself, One of these days I'll be swept away by Saul. There is nothing better for me than to escape immediately to the land of the Philistines. Then Saul will give up searching for me everywhere in Israel, and I'll escape from him. So David set out with his six hundred men and went over to Achish, son of Maok, the king of Gath. David and his men stayed with Achish in Gath. Each man had his family with him, 
And David had his two wives, Ahanoam of Jezreel and Abigail of Carmel, Nabal's widow. When it was reported to Saul that David had fled to Gath, he no longer searched for him. Now David said to Achish, If I have found favor with you, let me be given a place in one of the outlying towns so I can live there. Why should your servant live in the royal city with you? That day Achish gave Ziklag to him, and it still belongs to the kings of Judah today. The length of time that David stayed in Philistine territory amounted to a year and four months. David and his men went up and raided the Geshurites, the Gerzites, and the Amalekites. From ancient times they had been the inhabitants of the region through Shur, as far as the land of Egypt. Whenever David attacked the land, he did not leave a single person alive, either man or woman. But he took flocks, herds, donkeys, camels, and clothing. Then he came back to Achish, who inquired, Where did you raid today? David replied, The south country of Judah. The south country of the Jeremielites, or the south country of the Kenites. David did not let a man or woman live to be brought to Gath, for he said, Or they will inform on us and say, This is what David did. This was David's custom during the whole time he stayed in the Philistine territory. So Achish trusted David, thinking, Since he has made himself repulsive to his people Israel, he will be my servant forever. At that time, the Philistines gathered their military units into one army to fight against Israel. So Achish said to David, You know, of course, that you and your men must march out in the army with me. David replied to Achish, Good, you will find out what your servant can do. So Achish said to David, Very well, I will appoint you as my permanent bodyguard. By this time Samuel had died. All Israel had mourned for him and buried him in Ramah, his city. And Saul had removed the mediums and spiritists from the land. The Philistines gathered and camped at Shunem. So Saul gathered all Israel and they camped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the Philistine camp, he was afraid, and his heart pounded. He inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him, in dreams, or by the Urim, or by the prophets. Saul then said to his servants, Find me a woman who is a medium, so I can go and consult her. His servants replied, There is a woman at Endor who is a medium. Saul disguised himself by putting on different clothes and set out with two of his men. They came to the woman at night, and Saul said, Consult a spirit for me. Bring up for me the one I tell you. But the woman said to him, You surely know what Saul has done, how he has cut off the mediums and spiritists from the land. Why are you setting a trap for me to get me killed? And Saul swore to her by the Lord, As surely as the Lord lives, 
No punishment will come to you from this. Who is it that you want me to bring up for you? The woman asked. Bring up Samuel for me. He answered. When the woman saw Samuel, she screamed. And then she asked Saul, Why did you deceive me? You are Saul. But the king said to her, Don't be afraid. What do you see? I see a spirit form coming up out of the earth. The woman answered. Then Saul asked her, What does he look like? An old man is coming up, she replied. He's wearing a robe. Then Saul knew that it was Samuel, and he knelt low with his face to the ground and paid homage. Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? Samuel asked Saul. I'm in serious trouble, replied Saul. The Philistines are fighting against me and God has turned away from me. He doesn't answer me anymore, either through the prophets or in dreams. So I've called on you to tell me what I should do. Samuel answered, Since the Lord has turned away from you and has become your enemy, why are you asking me? The Lord has done exactly what he said through me. The Lord has torn the kingship out of your hand and given it to your neighbor David. You did not obey the Lord and did not carry out his burning anger against Amalek. Therefore, the Lord has done this to you today. The Lord will also hand Israel over to the Philistines along with you. Tomorrow, you and your sons will be with me, and the Lord will hand Israel's army over to the Philistines. Immediately Saul fell flat on the ground. He was terrified by Samuel's words and was also weak because he had not eaten anything all day and all night. The woman came over to Saul and she saw that he was terrified and said to him, Look, your servant has obeyed you. I took my life in my hands and did what you told me to do. Now please listen to your servant. Let me set some food in front of you. Eat, and it will give you strength so you can go on your way. He refused, saying, I won't eat. But when his servants and the woman urged him, he listened to them. He got up off the ground and sat on the bed. The woman had a fattened calf at her house, and she quickly slaughtered it. She also took flour, kneaded it, and baked unleavened bread. She served it to Saul and his servants, and they ate. Afterward, they got up and left that night. John 11, 1 through 54. Now a man was sick, Lazarus, from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair, and it was her brother Lazarus who was sick. 
So the sisters sent a message to him, Lord, the one you love is sick. When Jesus heard it, he said, This sickness will not end in death, but is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after that, he said to the disciples, Let's go to Judea again. Rabbi, the disciples told him, Just now the Jews tried to stone you, and you're going there again? Aren't there twelve hours in a day? Jesus answered. If anyone walks during the day, he doesn't stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks during the night, he does stumble, because the light is not in him. He said this, and then he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm on my way to wake him up. Then the disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will get well. Jesus, however, was speaking about his death, but they thought he was speaking about natural sleep. So Jesus then told them plainly, Lazarus has died. I'm glad for you that I wasn't there so that you may believe. But let's go to him. Then Thomas, called Twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let's go too, so that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, less than two miles away. Many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. As soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Yet even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Your brother will rise again, Jesus told her. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who comes into the world. Having said this, she went back and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. As soon as Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw that Mary got up quickly and went out. They followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to cry there. As soon as Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and told him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her crying, and the Jews who had come along with her crying, 
he was deeply moved and his spirit and troubled. Where have you put him? he asked. Lord, they told him, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, couldn't he who opened the blind man's eyes also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Remove the stone, Jesus said. Martha, the dead man's sister, told him, Lord, there is already a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. And Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you always hear me. But because of the crowds standing here, I said this so that they may believe you sent me. After he said this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, bound hand and foot with linen strips and with his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unwrap him and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he did believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees convened the Sanhedrin and were saying, What are we going to do since this man is doing many signs? If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. One of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all. You're not considering that it is to your advantage that one man should die for the people rather than the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own. But being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus was going to die for the nation. And not for the nation only, but also to unite the scattered children of God. So from that day on, they plotted to kill him. Jesus therefore no longer walked openly among the Jews, but departed from there to the countryside near the wilderness to a town called Ephraim. And he stayed there with the disciples. Psalm 117 Universal Call to Praise Praise the Lord, all nations. Glorify Him, all peoples. For His faithful love to us is great. The Lord's faithfulness endures forever. Hallelujah. Proverbs 15, 22, and 23. 
plans fail when there is no counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. A person takes joy in giving an answer and a timely word. How good that is! All right, it's pretty dramatic uh, happenings going on in First Samuel. Uh, battle lines have been drawn up. David, who has been so intertwined with Saul, right? Saul's been trying to assassinate David since he killed Goliath, practically. David's had to grow up fast. He's had to grow up in the spotlight. He's had to learn how to be a warrior. He's had to learn to be stealthy. He's had to learn how to stay alive. And uh, he finally, he's defected to the Philistines and become a Philistine. Um, simply to stay away from Saul because he's thinking, eventually, Saul's going to get me. So, uh, as it turns out, the entire Philistine army and the entire Israeli army are, are about to have a huge battle. And David's now a Philistine. So he's expected to fight as a Philistine. Uh, Saul, on the other hand, really has no voice of counsel whatsoever. Like the isolation has become uh, nearly, nearly total. And so Saul is seeking out a medium uh, to, to try to get Samuel's counsel from beyond the grave. And this happens and Samuel's counsel as we leave today's reading is essentially... I'll see you here tomorrow. So, ominous to say the least, as we uh, prepare to turn the corner and end the book of 1 Samuel tomorrow. Then in the book of John, we have the, the resurrection of Lazarus, which is indelibly imprinted on my mind because we've been, uh, been there to this location uh, s several times. And uh, the tomb of Lazarus is something that's included in the Promised Land films. And there are many things we could talk about in the story of the resurrection of Lazarus. Many things that we could talk about. But let's just focus on the aftermath. Right, so we, we read the whole story. Jesus is somewhere else. Word gets to him. He eventually gets there. Lazarus has died. Right, and the sisters, they have a message for Jesus. They fall down before Jesus and say what we seem to find coming out of our mouths a lot. If you had only been here, right? If you just would have showed up for me, this wouldn't have happened. So there's so many rich, uh, rich human elements in this story. But it's a famous story, and we know that Lazarus rises from the dead. What is so deeply fascinating is what happens next. I mean, Bethany is, is on the Mount of Olives. It's just kind of like on the back, back side of the Mount of Olives. And um, so really, it is only a couple miles from Jerusalem. So a resurrection of this magnitude, right? A guy walking out of a tomb wrapped in linen cloths after four days in the grave. How quickly do you think that word could travel two miles? So it's not long before people in Jerusalem are finding out about this. And it's not long before the religious leaders are meeting about this. 
And what is so deeply interesting is that their response to resurrection is to plot assassination. Right? So Jesus is bringing life and they're fearful that everyone will believe him. And if everyone does believe him, then the Romans will come and take the power away and and maybe even you know suppress or destroy the religion which ironically is something that they attempted to do much later like i mean they completely destroyed jerusalem over rebellion in ad 70 so just a few decades later so the thing that they were trying to kill jesus about right to keep the peace didn't keep the peace and uh, we just have this absolutely crystal clear example before us of how twisted we can get when we get enmeshed basically in trying to keep God in our heads. Right? So trying to get God in our heads is the sciences that we have around our religious faith and persuasion. We would call this theology or doctrine. None of these things are bad. They help us form an understanding of what it is we believe. And yet, what we are seeing play out in the Gospel of John are people who have devoted their lives to trying to figure that very thing out and how to obey the rules precisely to achieve perfection before God. And their response to God in the flesh bringing resurrection and light into the world is to plot to kill him because of what the Roman people might do if everybody believes Jesus. Like, we have this benefit of reading through the Gospels and we can scratch our heads because we've come through the age of reason and the enlightenment. And so we have these processes for, for sorting out logically things. And so we can look at this story and go... But guys, like, if everybody believed in a person who could raise people from the dead, uh, who's not, I mean, who's in danger here? But their expectation is for a, a military overthrow of Rome. Like, this is all they can get their minds around. If there is a Messiah coming, and they did believe a Messiah, a messianic figure, was coming, in their mind, this person was going to get everybody on the same page for battle, for military overthrow of Rome, for a rebellion. And they, this, had, this was going on before Jesus, and it happened after Jesus, leading to the destruction of Jerusalem. If you want to read stories of Jewish rebellions against occupiers of the land prior to Jesus, then you read the stories of the Maccabees. Jesus just didn't fit into the paradigm they were looking for, which was a strong military-type leader. Instead, Jesus is walking around bringing light into the darkness by saying, "What the way you overcome a more powerful weapon than a sword or a spear is love. Love your enemies if you want to truly conquer them. Because the two of you can be enemies and you can kill each other, but then you're dead. But if one of you loves the other one and that hatred turns into love, then you have gained one another. And love 
has replaced hate. Light has replaced darkness in the world. What if this were perpetuated? And they just, they just could not get their minds around it. Or probably more true, they, they, they may have been able to get their minds around it. They just believed it was an impossibility. It was, it was an ideal. Because we do the same thing all the time, right? We'll be having a conversation and describing something that would, would be ideal. And then we'll say, in a perfect world, right? In a perfect world, that, that would be possible. But we got to ask ourselves, what are we doing here? If we are not here to reveal God's kingdom and see it on earth as it is in heaven, a perfect world. So, there's plenty to consider in the story of the raising of Lazarus from the dead. But one of the things we should look at is how the religious people responded by plotting to assassinate Jesus and why. Because as we look into that, we find that those kinds of seeds also live within us. And so, Father, we invite you into that. We invite you into, uh, into our doubt and our fear, into our anxieties, into the things that twist us so backward that we do not see forward at all. Like we're so confused and so deceived and so trapped that we really do functionally believe this is all there is. There is nothing more. And so we've got to protect ourselves. And we see this playing out in this story today. And we see that this is in us as well. And we see this in the face of, an, of a resurrection. So we see how backward things can get. And we invite your Holy Spirit to show us the places inside of us where we, are, we have been twisted backward because of fear. Or we have been twisted backward because of betrayal. Or we have been twisted backward because of any number of things that have uh, that have happened in our lives we need to be facing forward we need to be facing forward into the kingdom where we see all things are possible if we believe which is exactly what you said in this story today didn't i tell you that you would see the glory of god if you would believe me and so we choose to believe. Come Holy Spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. DailyAudioBible.com is the website. Tone-based, where you find out what's going on around here, so uh, be sure to stay tuned and stay connected. If you want to partner with the Daily Audio Bible, uh, the words fail me uh, as far as coming up with new ways to say how grateful uh, that, that I am for your partnership. We really wouldn't be here if we didn't do this together. Thank you. So there is a link on the homepage at dailyaudiobible.com. If you're using the Daily Audio Bible app, you can press the Give button in the upper right-hand corner. Or if you prefer, the mailing address is P.O. Box 1996, Spring Hill, Tennessee, 37174. 
And as always, if you have a prayer request or comment, 877-942-4253 is the number to dial. And that's it for today. I'm Brian. I love you. And I'll be waiting for you here. Tomorrow. Oh, this is Anne from Charlotte, North Carolina. And I wanted to let Louise in Connecticut and Sherry, who called, and um, others who struggle with loneliness and feeling alone in this walk, in this world, that um, I'm praying for you. And I think there's more people that struggle with that than we realize. Although this is not God's design for our lives, He designed us to live in community and we need family and community. And when we don't have that for a variety of reasons, it really hurts and it's really hard. But um, I wish that I could email you, Louise, if you have a computer. Maybe you could get on the prayer wall and connect with people in that way. It just seems like everything good that we seek, we must contend for, just like David is, he was told he was going to be king, but he's sure having to contend and fight against evil. And we know that being isolated is is the enemy's design for us and not God. So we have to contend and pray that God shows us how we can find ways to reach out and... Um, I suffer from that because of having strange children, and I, I dream about them most every night. I miss them so much, and I don't have any other family. My, I mean, my parents are, are gone. So I think um, being lonely in this culture is um, not uncommon. So just wanted to send my love and prayers, Louise and Sherry and others who feel alone and know that you're not. God bless you in Jesus' name. Donna, I'm calling from California. And um, I just uh, listened to the May 18th prayer request. Um, There's a gentleman in the last request named Joe from New Jersey who was just uh, in the last month diagnosed with ALS. And I just asked everyone who's listening to join me in praying for him. Father, I lift him up to you. I lift Joe up to you for healing in every way. I don't know what your plans are, but I do know that you're good. And we we just lift our brother Joe to you for for healing, for comfort. You people come alongside Maybe have people help him during during this time. Maybe find medical care and doctors. And I just ask that you you just let him know that you are there. You are there alongside with him. That you love him deeply. And this life has has a purpose. You know, all of us. All of us have a purpose, and no matter what time we're given, no matter what diagnosis, what 
our situation is, that God will work through each and every situation, and we can take comfort in that. I pray, I pray for Joe. Thank you. I love you all, and I'm just so grateful. I, I'm, I'm so grateful for being a part of this community. Thank you. God bless. Hello. This is Jane Ruth from Nebraska. I have been trying to get a call through. I called back in December of 2018. And Sarah Jane told me that um, I had called the wrong number. And I've been listening for a long time. And this is my first attempt to really get called to the right number. I've been isolating and I have a long history of making the wrong choices. Um, And I feel so alone. I'm 61 years old. I've never been married. I don't have any children. My parents are gone. I had a brother that died when he was 54. And um, I have a long history of yucky stuff, bad choices, but a lot of bad things have happened as far as the church is concerned as well. And I'm almost out of time. Um, I just need people to pray that I can find a way to connect with a group of believers that I can trust. My name is Jane Ruth from Nebraska, and my email address is 4L247365 at gmail.com. And I have a song to sing, and I'm getting better, but I have a lot of health issues, and I'm on, I'm on um, Social Security, and I'm trying to do the best I can to write a book and get better and I know that God is doing for me what I can't do for my God bless each and every one of you I'm calling to pray for the college student Jefferson who's looking to be a part of our campus ministry this summer I'm calling for Luis um, suffering from loneliness beyond her ability to handle and I'm calling for Joe from New Jersey with ALS. Lord Jesus, we humbly come before you, Father God. We just want to thank you. I know that there isn't anything that you cannot do for my brothers and sisters, Father God, who are calling out to you, Father God. I'm believing, Father God, that we are rebuking a sexual sin, Father God, and I, I commend him, I commend that young man for calling in, Father God, in the name of Jesus, seeking prayer, Father God, seeking forgiveness from you, Father God. I know, Father God, that you're going to get him through this, Father God, and that you're going to make him be such an example, Father God, of who you are, Father God. Father God, I'm believing that you're going to send someone, Father God, to leave to Massachusetts, Father God, that you are going to provide her with a companion, Father God. I don't know what that will look like, Father God, but you never meant for us to be alone, Father God. And I'm believing that you're going to be there with her, Father God. 
and that she's going to feel such an amazing love, Father God, one that's going to surpass all understanding, Father God. Father God, I'm believing in Joe's healing, Father God, in the name of Jesus. I'm believing, Father God, that there's nothing that you cannot do, Father God, for you are the creator of the heavens and earth, Father God. We are rebuking that illness, and I'm praying in the court that he will be healed, Father God, in the name of Jesus, according to your will and your purpose, Father God. I'm believing all of this in your might. Hi, Dabbers. This is Hopeful. I'm calling in for Joe from New Jersey. Hi, Joe. I heard your um, prayer request, and I'm so sorry to hear that you've been diagnosed with ALS, but I wanted to call to encourage you and say that you are being prayed for by myself, by my family, and probably thousands of other people around the world. And I want to read you Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Joe, we are praying with you. You are not alone in this. Please call and reach out if you need anything else. Um, I love you. Um, and and may the Lord be with you. Let me read one more. Jeremiah seventeen fourteen. Heal me, O Lord, and I will be healed. Save me and I will be saved. For you are the one I praise.